Hi, and welcome to the third episode in this practical series that explores tools, resources, ideas you can apply in your work and life right now. So today we're talking about breath basics and I'm joined by Dr. Sven. How are you today? Right. Hey team. Excellent. Still breathing. Excellent. Surely breathing is a completely natural automatic person. Why do we need to interfere with this? Yeah, it's it's the fundamental question. And if we start, you know, right from our first episode, we talked about insight and mastery, right? If you, if you don't see it, you can't make a change. So I think, you know, why should we pay attention? Why should we be curious about paying attention, having insight, maybe making an adjustment? You know, the first thing is, for every other species, it is a completely unconscious process. And we evolve in life to a certain breathing rate for each species, which manages a number of their physiological processes. Human breathing compared to any other species is massively disordered, mm -hmm. right? Right at the front of the list of problems is that our rate of breathing has gone from roughly six breaths per minute to in some cases as high as 18 breaths per minute. So that's called hyperventilation. So from a strictly physiological effect, when we breathe faster, we tend to breathe higher. Rather than low, we breathe high. As you do that, you blow off carbon dioxide without changing oxygen very much. Low carbon dioxide causes misfiring of the muscles, of the brain, and of the immune system. So you might start to get numb around the mouth, you might start to get fingertip numbness, um, and it can lead to hospital admissions. More commonly, of course, what it leads is, is a state of chronic anxiety. The faster we breathe, the more we're in the flight response. The more we're in that physiological flight, the more we feel fearful, anxious. And all the mind starts to worry what's coming next. And then someone says to you, take a deep breath. So they go, <gasps> and we just make the whole thing worse. So that disordered breathing is the first reason that we need to pay attention. We have gone outside our natural bounds. Mm -hmm. Second reason, our jaws are shrinking because we no longer chew tough food. Our jaws are shrinking smaller and smaller and it's causing our nasal passages to compress. As that happens, we are becoming as a species mouth breathe. So you'll often see someone, we talked about posture, poor posture on iPhone, the jaw, has shrunk backwards, the mouth is open. When you breathe through your mouth, your nasal passages and all the exquisite functions of humidification, of purification of air, of warming of air, of the immune system that function in the nose is in decline. All right, so mouth breathing is, is the second big reason. And just by the way, you know, I know we do recommend the odd book, but this book came out at the end of last year, Breath by James Nessel. Very entertaining story about some of the interactions between the jaw and the nasal passages. Um, <clears throat> and I think we also just got to be aware that um, we are living in a time of great pressure. And the more we feel under pressure, the more we tended to want to take deep breaths and breath hold. It's making us very sick. It's affecting our nasal passages, our immune system, our risk of illness. 
I mean, even something like, like COVID in a way, you know, the suffering is primarily a breathing disorder. Yeah, so it's important, Brad, it's something we need to work on. Oh, I've lost you, Brad. There we go. So it's something we can't just take for granted, like once upon a time, sleeping might have been taken for granted, whereas it becomes a deliberate practice. And look, just, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, you know, when you, for example, meet a teenager or a young adult who is going through this high pressure world, who's got a receded jaw, who's mouth breathing, who's hyperventilating and living with chronic anxiety. And instead of fixing the fundamental, paying attention to a breath, they're given drugs. So they're on antidepressants, they're on anti and people are still saying to them, take a deep breath. So these poor young people, mm. unconscious, not seeing the cause, are really getting themselves into that downward spiral we talked about. So it's important, Brad. It's really, you know, I often say, if, you know, if we're serious about the mental health challenges of our time, as you said, we need to pay attention to sleep. And second, we should pay attention to breathing. If every child left school, knowing how to breathe efficiently and effectively, we could have a huge impact in reducing anxiety, depression, attention disorders. That makes so much sense. So what are the most important exercises? Let's get really practical. What can we start? Yeah. So I, I think I, I'd encourage people to just start somewhere, right? First thing I'd do, chew. So this is something that's come out of Harvard it's come out of the James Nestor book. The more uh, exercised your jaw, the more likely it is that your nasal passages will work. So there's the first thing. Chew carrots, maybe even that South African biltong. Make sure your jaws do some work. And uh, Nestor suggests even chewing gum. Bizarre, but there it is. And that's an evolutionary thing. You want to keep the jaws strong. Second thing, close your mouth. As much as possible, consciously pull your lips together, make the nasal passages work. All right, so we are under no illusion. The science is crystal clear. When you open your mouth and close the nose, the nose and all of those exquisite functions of the sinuses collapse. As soon as you close the mouth and learn to breathe through your nose again, and it takes time, and this one takes a little bit of perseverance. All right, it's also very good because maybe you talk less, listen more. Yeah. Um, and you can even add to that, I mean, something, you know, we've been doing at home and with a bunch of our friends recently is, is using tape over your lips at night. Well, quality of sleep is massively better. Also, people stop snoring. Mm. Thirdly, if you can get through the first couple of uncomfortable nights, your nasal passages will start to work better. You know, and a really simple thing there, you know, simply breathing through your nose and not snoring and not letting your jaw relax and drop back means that you get more deep sleep. If you get more deep sleep, you end up not producing urine and not having to get up to go to the toilet. You were going to ask something, Brad? Uh, no, that's a real win. I, I mean, I'm fascinated to give that a try. Well worth it. So easy. I mean, it's trivial cost. Use this little bit of micropore or some sort of tape that doesn't annoy you. Some people need maybe a stronger tape. I try to tape it so my jaws pull a little bit forward. Game changer. 
simple, practical. All right, so strong jaw, close the mouth. That alone will get normal, as you called it, the kind of natural process will, will return naturally. Third, exhale more. So in a world where we're sitting hunched and taking deep breaths and mouth breathing, we're not exhaling enough. Somewhere, perhaps on your computer, put a little sticker, put a little marker, use a little alert, use your Apple Watch, doesn't matter. Give yourself a reminder. Each time you become conscious of that reminder, exhale through your nose. So instead of saying, I should take a deep breath, you just through the nose, exhale, 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 exhale. A little bit of debate on how long one should exhale. And we've got extremes, you know, you've got a lot of medical professionals who are saying it's normal to breathe 18 breaths per minute. It's not, you know, human breathing should be under 12. Optimal human breathing is about six breaths per minute, which is a 10 second cycle. So most of the practical applied research says breathe out through your nose anywhere between five and six seconds. It's that narrow. Got it. Right. So if you're going to breathe out for six, my preference, you're breathing in for four. As you become more skilled, you can maybe even lengthen it. So when you're doing a true breathing practice, you may go down to two breaths per minute. So you're exhaling long, you know, as long as 20 seconds, but we don't need to do that. The other one that's quite popular at the moment is sort of five and a half seconds out, five and a half seconds in. Sure. All right. Always leading with the exhalation. And that leads to kind of the fourth thing, which is as you exhale, and you can try it now. So if you breathe out through the nose, at some point you'll feel your ribs pulling back in and you'll feel a tightening in the belly. Those are what are called the primary muscles of relaxation. When you feel the ribs sort of pulling in towards the spine like that, yeah. that's a true exhalation. You've breathed out, you've emptied the lungs and all the waste products, including carbon dioxide, and your diaphragm is very soft and very uh, domed. Right? So it pushes the air out. When you start with a very empty lung, the diaphragm contracts efficiently. And then you breathe in again through the nose, but you feel the ribs bucket handle up and the upper abdomen sort of distends almost like a soccer ball in the middle of your abdomen. Um, that primary breathing muscle is the one you want to make unconscious again. Most of us are breathing with the secondary muscles of respiration. So we get tightness in the neck, we get shoulder pain. Uh, it's not helpful, right? Yes, when you're running up a hill, you do need to get that extra bit of air, but that should be on top of the diaphragm. As soon as we recover, you want to, to, to get the breathing low and slow, or what we term diaphragmatic. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. So really focusing on the long exhalation sets you up automatically for a much better inhalation. 100%. And, the, and, you know, like any habit, 
if you were to spend a little time, and you know, we're recommending, and many are recommending roughly around about five to eight minutes of that sort of breathing per day, where you sit down, you say, okay, just like I go to the gym or I get on my bike, I'm going to sit down, I'm actually going to restore a pattern of really healthy breathing. Eight minutes every day. Yes. Then you'll find through the day you're doing it without having to think about it. So we go unconscious hyperventilating mouth breathing, mm -hmm. consciously noticing this and consciously developing a new practice and then becoming unconsciously competent, right? Which is the goal. And, you know, when you achieve that, a lot of things in your life change, which is why this is right up there as our number third, number three conversation. Absolutely. And then perhaps a, a last one. And um, this may be a little more controversial for people. Because we're breathing faster and high, and because as we explained, you can't really change the oxygen levels, unless you're really, really at high altitudes or, or lung disease, but you can blow off carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. Now, when you blow off carbon dioxide, your blood becomes alkalotic, and we discussed there are a bunch of physiological challenges to that. With anxiety, you feel like you need more air. So the carbon dioxide is already low, but I do more of that in a hunched posture, and I'm pushing it even lower. So as a population, we are tolerating very low carbon dioxide levels, or what's called hypocapnia. All of the breathing practices by slowing your breath, mouth breathing, exhaling a little longer, pausing, Wim Hof techniques, what you're doing is you're allowing the carbon dioxide to come up. Now, that's interesting, right? So, so if I give you an ox a cylinder and I dial it up from a tiny percentage in our oxygen, at, you know, a couple of percent to, to 30%, and I put it in your mouth, you will have an almost instant panic attack. So the body is very sensitive to carbon dioxide. So if you even slightly increase, and this is the problem for swimming, you put a person in the water and straight away, they panic, all right? And it's this fear of carbon dioxide is what you've actually got to do as a swimmer and why cold swimming has become so popular is you've really got to exhale, get underwater, hold your breath for a few strokes and your carbon dioxide comes up. As your carbon dioxide comes back up, you're more calm. Your immune system is working better. Your vagal tone is more synchronized into that heart rate variability. So it's a challenging point there, right? Is, is we almost need to try to develop a new physiological balance. We, we're gonna have to teach our bodies to get used to carbon dioxide again. So this is what an extreme free diver does. This is what the yogi does. You know, this is why so many military and sports teams will be practicing this breathing. Because if you can tolerate a lot of carbon dioxide, that means you can exercise, dive deep, endure challenge, and not lose your nerve. Very important idea. Now, you know, an open question. You know, I talked about Wim Hof. 
by the way, he has just written a book called The Wim Hof Method. And, you know, it, it's maybe extreme, but I absolutely hear where he's coming from. All right. So two things to be remember practical. One, he recommends cold water immersion or this Iceman therapy. Fine. All right. There's some good research for that. We probably should turn on the shower ice cold three minutes a day and you get an immediate immune system benefit and it really makes you breathe. Good. Second thing he does is he actually hyperventilates. So for 30 to 40 breaths, you and you blow your carbon dioxide low and it becomes quite emotional. So if you're anxious, you might get a bit afraid. If you're an angry person, you might shout and scream. You know, if you're a sad person, you might cry. So as he lowers the carbon dioxide through hyperventilation, you simulate the mental disorder of our time. Mm -hmm. Then he holds the breath and the carbon dioxide slowly builds back up, which is applying yoga or dive free diving practice. And then you restore your breathing and then you repeat the cycle. So what he is doing is teaching people to get used to low carbon dioxide, but also to get used to high carbon dioxide. Now that technically is called hormesis. For, from my perspective, hormesis is a foundation of resilience. Just like, you know, I practice my stretches. I also practice my strength. I want length. I want strength. You know, you're increasing the bandwidth of your human capability by allowing your body to work with different levels of carbon dioxide. It makes a lot of sense. Becoming comfortable with a little bit of discomfort until that becomes the new baseline. It makes a yeah. sense. And my gosh, you know, we were talking earlier about the game between Nadal and Tsitsipas. Perfect example of what you talked about. You know, there's a 23-year-old mastering a 33-year-old by really regulating and his language about not thinking about being calm, serene. Mm -hmm. Wow, it's just awesome. Yeah. So for someone who wants to embark on this journey, who wants to prioritize breath, are there any tools that they can use to help them track, for example, heart rate variability, or should they just focus on the basics, the long exhalation? You know, experiences is mixed. So let me go through some practical options. I would download the app Box Breathing. Yes. Just try it. I mean, our own app for our clients who've got access to it, we, we have the daily five-minute breathing practice. Every single one of those daily practices is based on five minutes of slow breathing. Uh, third, I, I think whether you use an app or not, we are living in a time where you absolutely have to do a breathing practice for five to eight minutes per day. Now, do you use your Apple Watch to remind yourself to breathe for a minute every hour? Or do you sit down before breakfast and spend some time breathing? I don't think it really matters. I think what does matter and what we're seeing consistently in the literature, repetition. Yep. Just like if you want to be a great artist, a great dancer, you need to practice a little bit very consciously every day. So, you know, sitting there with a nice, good, strong posture, light long, as we discussed in the last session, making sure you're breathing through your nose, relaxing, feeling the body. Remember, check body, check emotion, check mind, and then really dialing into that breath and finding a super relaxed, natural rhythm. 
and using that five minutes to see, can I head towards six seconds out, roughly four seconds in, can I maybe even slow it down a bit more? Can I make sure my, my diaphragm is doing the work and I'm really relaxed here? And just, you know, give yourself that five minute period. I think that's an absolute must do. The taping, as we said, so far, surprisingly effective. Mm -hmm. We'll come back to you. I think we'll hear a lot more on that. And I have to give, you know, a shout out to Tanya Clifton Smith, who we've interviewed in this and part of the podcast. Um, you know, her network of breathing specialists. You know, if someone has got a problem, you know, if they're snoring, if they're mouth breathing, if they're dealing with anxiety, I would highly recommend some of those breathing physiotherapists. Um, they're just excellent. You know, and sometimes you need someone who can actually practically put hands on and demonstrate how to make the change. So any concerns, I'd strongly recommend that. Yes, makes sense. I mean, I, do you do a Wim Hof course? Why not? I think it's a bit extreme. You know, should you go to a yoga class and hear what a yogi has to say about breathing? I think yes. You know, remember whether it's Chinese, philosophy, Indian, yogic, you know, it goes back between two and a half and 5,000 years, people have been alert to this idea of breathing. Mm -hmm. You know, our modern medical science has only picked up on it in the last, last decade, to be honest. Yeah. So we're way behind the eight ball. Lots to learn. There is. Great. I think we covered some really useful points. Shall we practice a couple of long exhalations for everyone out there? If they're wondering, when shall I get started? Get started right now. Excellent. What a great idea. So let's, uh, whether you're standing or sitting, first thing I would just uh, tuck in your chin, lengthen the spine, relax your shoulders, relax your face. If you're comfortable, you can just close your eyes. And if you like, look down towards your belly, just below the ribs and above the belly button. In the first moment, remember it's insight, check body. Just notice, how are you breathing? How long is your inhale? How long is your exhale? And again, you might check emotion. How am I feeling? Breathe out, relax, let it go. Check mind. Notice the thoughts, breathe out. Let it go. And then fixing your attention on the flow of your abdomen. See if you can breathe in to the count of four seconds. One, two, three, four. And out to the count of six seconds. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Four in and six out. Again, just check body, check emotion, check mind. Breathe out, let it go, let it go, let it go. Maybe pause a little bit this time. 
Just notice how you feel at the end of the exhalation. And notice what it feels like at the end of the inhalation. All right, then take a nice good breath in. Exhale completely, shake it up, bring yourself back. So I think it's, it's that kind of thing, you know, that's maybe a couple of minutes. Uh, you can by do taking one minute, you know, if you sneak outside, go to the bathroom, sit in your car, even at your desk, if you've got a tolerant culture and just take those 60 seconds to do 10 slow breaths, your life will change. It certainly set me up for a better day. It's amazing what a difference it makes just creating space for breathing, slowing down, checking in. And I think that's exactly why it is episode number three, because it's going to benefit you across the rest of this series. And it links to so many other things, as you say, you know, your attention, your energy. So if you want to do something simple, practical right now to get a difference, posture, breath, absolute foundations. Thanks so much, Dr. Sven. I think this is a Thank really you, Brad. useful episode and I'm already looking forward to next week. Fabulous. Thank you, Brad. See you all.